And um, I really want to bring an encouragement today. Uh, God's ruling the world. That's my encouragement for you. God is now. By the way, he always has been. And he always will. And he's going to finish the job he's done. He is ruling the world. And I, I think that despite the fact that some people really despise this teaching, I think this is the most encouraging pastoral teaching for real life that we can ever have, right? Because our lives, we have good days, don't we? And we have bad days, don't we? Yep. It's a bit crass, but my grandma used to say, this is my non-Christian grandma, (laughs) she said, I'm always in the poo, it's just the depth that varies. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I didn't know whether I should say that, but I just did. So... (laughs) What I want to say today, God's ruling over everything, okay? And, and it's the knowledge of this that brings us encouragement, and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Psalm 150, I've got a lot of Bible verses today, and I'm going to read them, so if you want them afterwards, just see me. Uh, Psalm 115, verse 3 says this. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. How about that? He does whatever he pleases. God is God. He does whatever he pleases and uh, he may choose to listen to humans, but that's his prerogative. He definitely loves them. He definitely shows grace and mercy to them, but he alone is God and he acts as he wants. He has an eternal plan for his family. That's us. And he is part of his eternal plan is making a family for himself. God is not subject to, to human beings. Do you hear that? When he created everything, he didn't even ask for permission, did he? And on judgment day, he's going to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put the goats there and the sheep there if that's all right with the rest of you. Yeah? No. God doesn't ask for permission. He's not subject to anyone or anything. Uh, he alone is God and we are not God. And the Bible, from start to finish, is about his plans for the universe that we know it. And nothing, hear this, nothing will upset his plans for anything or anyone. That's good, isn't it? Sin entered the world. Did that upset God's plans? He'd already made a provision. We're told in 1 Peter 1.20, it's not the only verse that says it, but it says this, For Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. He was chosen to bring his salvation before sin entered the world. God always had a plan. Do we understand that? Can you get to the bottom of that? No. Does that change the fact that God knows what he's doing? No. He knows what he's doing. He is not hoping that things will work out all right. Yeah, God's not up there. Gee, I hope that this couple of people will choose me. Otherwise, I'll be in trouble, won't I? They'll be alone in heaven. Yeah, God's not subject to us. Do you understand that? This is so good. There's not a war between good and evil and we're just hoping like anything that good wins. Yeah, we know the end of the story. God wins. Revelation tells us that, but a whole lot of other books in the Bible tell us that too. Okay. So I started by saying this is, uh, I think, one of the most pastoral, life-giving messages that you can ever have. 
I am, why is this important for our life for this year? Uh, Levi mentioned COVID, which has kind of brought a whole lot of uncertainty, and I'm not talking about disease. I mean, the disease has, but there's a whole lot of uncertainty. What's happening with states fighting states, governments making doing things differently, world? Yeah, what's going on with all that? Uh, what's what happened to me this week when you know I got diagnosed with a bad back or a broken back even? What happens when times are hard? Why is this important? What I'm saying is this is the most important understanding we can have about God for everything. And I've got four things that I'm going to go over and over again in. And number one, God is all-powerful. Yep. Secondly, he knows what he's doing. He's got an eternal plan. Thirdly, He's always working for the good of his children, the ones he's saved, his chosen ones. And fourthly, actually the Bible tells us one day we will understand, but for now we just trust God anyway. Okay? Even though we don't get it, we will. So, so with those four points, I'm going to put those four points into three points, which is 12, but that's not really what it is. Okay. God is ruling. First point is this. God's ruling over creation. Do you know that? The Bible actually says in a lot of places that God changes things in creation. He does some really weird stuff. At one point, he causes the sun to move back in the sky. Now, if you're a physicist or anybody who knows any science, you know that for that to happen, the earth's got to stop spinning and everything's got to... Whew, God's in charge of that. He also says he's in charge of droughts. Remember... Uh, you know the drought that came over the land when Joseph was in jail and you know he got let out and there were seven good years and seven bad years? It says when he, this is Psalm 105, but it also says in Genesis, when he summoned the famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had a man sent ahead of him, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. God summoned the drought for his purposes. The same happened in Elijah's time. Elijah went to Ahab and said, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain for it was about three years, except by my word. So God's in control of the rain. But he sends the rain on the just and the unjust, doesn't he? Jesus said that. Um, and Jesus calmed the storm. So he's in charge of creation. You get that? And creation now is groaning. And you understand when we say groaning? It, it's not quite the way it's supposed to be. Um, but that's part of God's plan. So in, in Romans 8, verse 18, he said, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, so it's going to be the suffering now, but glory is going to be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The whole of creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who, the one who subjected it. Who subjected the world to frustration that we live in? God did. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. What does this mean? It means that this groaning that we see in creation, these things where we see it goes wrong when you see a cyclone and a drought and these various things are not outside of God's control, ever. Okay? 
how does that all work? It's in God's head, but he knows it, okay? This means God is in charge of the creation. Do you understand this? It means we can pray to him about the weather. I said, you know, God is not subject to us, but his people he chooses to listen to. So we can pray to him about the weather. That's good, isn't it? And he, he allows his own will to be shifted by us because he's chosen that. He remains sovereign. Okay. And it also means this. We don't have to be climate deniers, climate change deniers. We don't have to be climate change fearers or anything else either. We can just say God's in control and he knows what he's doing. Do you understand? Is the temperature going up? Well, it could be. Is it going, you know, whatever? It's not going down probably. But do you get it? We don't have to be that because God's the one ruling this world. We don't, in other words, you see, the trouble is with Christians, sometimes we get hung up on, on, on small stuff that God's in control of. We don't need to. We can just drop it. Is that good? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? The whole world groans under the weight of sin, but God has subjected it. He, one day the children of God will be revealed. The earth which is groaning, it can't wait for the children of God to be revealed at the end of time because then the earth will be renewed by God. That's his plan, always has been. So God's powerful over all of creation, that's point one. He knows what he's doing with creation, that's point two. He has an eternal plan for it, in other words. He is working for the good of his children through creation. And four, when we see these things happen now, and we do, when you see creation groaning, what do we do? We lift our eyes to Jesus and we trust in him because we know God's in control. Right, God's sovereign over creation. Point two, he is sovereign over the wills of human beings. This might sound like a funny one, but this is one of the things that worries us most because there's people who control our lives, isn't there? There's people who make decisions. We're not in control of a lockdown and we don't really want a $5,000 fine or whatever, you know. We're not in control of that stuff, do we? Are we? Okay, in Daniel 1, uh, verse 9, what happens is this. Daniel and his three friends have been dragged off to a foreign country and they've been ruled over by a pagan nation and there's these people put in charge of training up Daniel and his friends, right? And it says this, uh, there was this eunuch, uh, which is like, a, he was a, a Babylonian lead, uh, bloke who ruled over, unique, unique, eunuchs are very unique in some ways, but that's a joke. Um, but... Um, And it said this, he's a pagan man. He's not a Christian. He's not a God follower. God gave Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. So here's this guy who's a pagan ruler and God changes his heart. Is he allowed to do that? Well, he is God. That's probably the only person's mind that God's ever changed, right? No? You understand? God chooses how he exerts his authority over free wills, which are free except for the fact that God changes them. <laughs> yeah? Okay, so they're completely free except for God's free over that. Do you, this is really important. Otherwise, we're going to think this world's out of control. Okay, I'll, I'll give you another verse. This, sorry, you could find a hundred passages in Scripture that say this, but I, this one's really interesting. Uh, this is, uh, he's in control of the desires of a nation. In Exodus 34, God's giving the law to Moses and the people. All the people are gathered at Mount Sinai. And he says, three times a year, 
All your men are to appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. This is the tent of meeting. I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory. I'm going to do that. I'm going to drive them out. And no one will covet your land when you go up three times each year to appear before the Lord your God. So you can imagine this. All of the, this is talking men here, males, are going to appear before the house of the Lord. That means all the soldiers are there for a week at a time. Does that make them a little bit exposed? They could get they could get routed while they're all you know they're all doing their they're going to meet before the Lord. And he's saying, no, I will cause the people not to want to invade you. You know those people who are looking to take over and take your land. Well, I'm going to change that. They won't cover it. They won't even desire to take over your land while you're meeting at the temple. That's not one person he's changed the will of. He's changing the will of all these countries surrounding Israel. Isn't that incredible? Individually and corporately. All of a sudden they think, nah, let's not invade Israel today. Yep. God is in control of the will of nations. And in Proverbs 21 it says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Now, when I was a kid, I used to, when Dad wasn't looking, because we had lived on rainwater, used to turn on the tap and you'd run it down and you'd make paths, you know, in the mud and you'd, you'd, you'd make it run wherever you want. That's what a king or a ruler or a leader's heart, a prime minister, a president, an emperor, yeah? The king's heart is like that in God's hands. He is ruling over them that they will do, turn whichever way God wills. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah, because there's some pretty rotten rulers in the world. And it might seem that it's all out of control. It says in, in Isaiah, God directed Assyria to attack Israel when they were uh, sinning against him. He controls the rise and fall of nations. We might see, I mean, there's been this great nation, you know, America's just been huge to us most of our lifetimes for the 50 or 100 years that America's been around. It's a very small nation, really, in, in history, isn't it? There's been nations rising up. There'll be more that'll rise up. There'll be more that'll fall. Uh, uh, what I say that is our hope's not pinned to a nation somewhere on earth, is it? It's pinned to the kingdom of God. Whatever happens to America, another nation rises. Another one will rise after that. We'll probably be gone by then. Do you understand? It's all in the hands of God. This is so important if we're going to have peace. Are you hearing me on this? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm loving it. (laughs) Okay. In Romans, when we uh, did this a few weeks back, we talked about God hands people over to their sin. Uh, So people people, uh, who desire to sin, God's punishment for them is he lets them go in that sin. He's actually in control even of the sin of people. He's not making them sin. God doesn't sin. He's not making them sin. He's just letting them do what they desire to do. Now, sometimes we think, oh, well, that makes, you know, the person who's got an addiction, he hands them over to their addiction. But it's also in our Western world, you know, he hands the greedy person over to their greed. The one who worships money, he hands over to them. He gives them lots of money. He doesn't make them poor. He hands them over to the thing that 
uh, in essence, will if they're if they're a believer, then they will be. They, God will teach them through that, and their heart will be changed. And if they're not a believer, it will lead to their destruction. Okay. So God hands people over to their sin. So. This is my point two. God's in the control of the wills of human beings. No matter who we face in our life, no matter what good or evil intent they have, God is still ruling over them. Yeah? And they are subject to God. It may seem, if you read the Psalms, time and time again in the Psalms, David says, I can't understand what's going on. There's evil people and they're getting away with it. In fact, they're, they're, they're doing really well. Yeah, but God's in control because actually all those evil people David's talking about they, they, they've been dead for about 3,000 years now <laughs> they never actually prevailed in the end did they God has an eternal plan okay will people try and do evil will they try and bring <clears throat> excuse me persecution yes uh, you know I mean I, I'm not a great conspiracy theorist, but will nations try and do stuff with all the power they're getting because of COVID? Absolutely. People, there's evil in the world. Yes? Will anybody who is a believer be snatched from the hand of God? No. Okay? Will they do anything that causes God to go, oh no, what do I do now? No. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is powerful over people's wills. That's point one. Secondly, he knows what he's doing. He knows the way to lead people that will fit and make and create his eternal plan. And three, he is working all of this, and this is my next point mainly, for the good of his children. And point four, one day we'll understand this, but for now... We can trust him in a world that seems out of control because it's out of our control. It's just not out of God's control. So the third point is God is sovereign or he's ruling over his treasured possessions. That's us, his people. Um, Ephesians 1 says, In him, that's in Jesus, we have, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined, predestined means a preordained destiny, right? So pre, God has a preordained destiny for his children. Is, uh, uh, people get really hung up on this and try and work it out. And how does this work with God's will and human wills? Just relax and enjoy it. It's good to be able to say I'm chosen by God because I'm safe. Because I'm chosen by God. How good, you understand? What's going to shake me? Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. Another version says this, it's the same thing. It says, predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. I'll say it once more because this, this is all encompassing. God works out Everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. That is good to know. To the praise of his glory. Because it glorifies him. I tell you, you can't lift God too high. 
can you praise him enough? Can you say, oh, God, you're everything. Oh, no, I, I might just say I'm in control a bit. You're pulling him down. Lift, lift him up. It's all you, God. It's all you. He opens the hearts of people also that they might believe. This is one statement. There are lots in Scripture that say it. This is about Lydia in Acts 16, verse 13. And, and Luke says this. We sat down and we spoke to, to the women who had come together. One, of, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. He opened her heart so that she could hear. Now, God still does that. People still come to faith. Now, we might go, well, what's the point of, if God's doing all this, you know, what part have we got to play? Well, the part we've got to play is God says, I'm doing all this, and the way I'm going to do it is through you people praying and telling people about Jesus. That's how I've chosen to do it. So it's not God's just going to do all this so we sit back and do nothing. God's going to do all this and he's called us into doing it all with him. Does that make sense? So we have a part in this. But we can pray and know and we can speak about Jesus and we can know that people will believe when we do that. That should give us a whole lot of encouragement. Because sometimes we think, what's the point in this? They were never going to understand. Or I'm never going to get my words right. I'm never going to be able to say it right. God's in control. So in Acts 13, 48, uh, um, Paul preaches his sermon to the Gentiles. It says, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many who were appointed to eternal life believed. So as many as God appointed to eternal life believed that day. We can know God will do what he's saying he'll do. So what should that cause us to do? Pray lots, because God listens to his people. He's chosen to listen to his people. He's chosen to answer our prayers. He's also So Romans 8, 28, which is really where this part of it's leading, isn't it? We all know that well. For we know that... Oh, I've changed versions of the Bible and my head doesn't do... It's just, I'm, it's just really hard to read this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Everything that's happening in your life as a believer, this is for those who love God, everything is working towards your good. Not everything feels good. It doesn't say that. God ultimately knows your best good, and he is working to, through that, through all things. He is training you, he is shaping you, he's moulding you, and it's all good. This is the God who is over hardships and he's over good times. So in Isaiah 45, 7, he says, I form light and I create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. You know, we sing that song, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, when the, when the good times are there, I'm going to bless your name. When the bad times are there, I'm going to bless your name, as, uh, as Job said. Okay. And over sickness, God said to Moses, sorry, these verses, I'm picking out one of each. If you want 10 more of each, I can show them to you. Okay. But over sickness, in Exodus 4.11, the Lord said to Moses, who is it that made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? 
or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord, who gives you your sight, who makes you blind, who gives you your voice, who makes you mute? God does. Who's in control of COVID? Right? ScoMo. <laughs> Anastasia. Who's in control of COVID? Who's in control? Is, is it the medical people? Really? Yep. Who is using this to change the world for good? God is. Yep. Does that mean that a whole lot of evil people are going to try and... Probably. Yep. But he's not only using this disease. You see, all the social, the rules, everything else, God is using all of that. It may result in great persecution. Some people think it may not. We don't know that because God's the one with the plan, not us. Yeah. But either way, if it's persecution... God will give us the strength we need to get through it and he'll grow us through it. And if it doesn't bring persecution, well, that's fine because that's not what he's planned right now, but it doesn't matter. Do you understand what I'm saying? The evil one is not in control of God. Yep, He was created by God and his uh, future is set. We're told where he goes in um, Revelation 20, into the, into the pit of fire, gone forever. Yep. Eternal in suffering. Okay. I hope you can understand what I'm saying there. Re- regardless of what we face, God knows what he's doing. And unwittingly, the evil one brings around the plans of God. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said uh, of the devil, he is nothing more than a scullion, well, that's a servant, but a scullion in the Almighty's kitchen, serving up what God had planned beforehand. So he's up there trying to, trying to boil up all his trouble and he ends up serving what God planned anyway. Yep. Or what did uh, Joseph say to his brothers? What you planned for evil, God used for good. All that evil, he spent 14 years in jail. All that evil, God used for good. This is encouraging, isn't it? And he's ruling over the church. Sometimes we think, what a mess the church is, hey? We might think that locally in the last years. Turmoil is all we see. The church is losing. The church is divided. The church is failing. Yeah, that Casting Crown song says, you know, the world's not fallen apart, it's fallen into place. God knows what he's doing with the church. No one who is chosen will be lost. Can you get that? hold you safe in the palm of my hand. Because you see, God is in control of our faith. There was a time when uh, uh, Peter knew that he was going to uh, betray Jesus three times. And Jesus said this to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, you'll strengthen your brothers. Okay? So your faith, what does he say? You're going to fall away, Simon, but I've prayed for you that your faith will remain. It'll stay strong. That's good. It's like I said last week. I can say with all honesty, the reason that I am a Christian is because God has held me. The Holy Spirit has kept me. It's true, isn't it? I've had so many doubts and so many times I want to walk away and so many times it's hurt and you get stabbed in the back and stabbed in the front and all that sort of stuff, right? And I'm still a Christian. That's a miracle, isn't it? 
It's not because I'm any good. God has held me and he's given me a spirit. And we're at this place where we go, where else can we go? You alone, Jesus, have the words of eternal life. You're everything to us. Yeah. That's where we live. And it's a good place to live because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author, the one who made it, and the perfecter. He's the one who's going to finish it. And he stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us right now, just like he did for Peter. I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Yep. He is still ruling over us, and he's ruling over the length of our lives. We don't want a disaster to happen to us, do we? He's ruling up Psalm 139. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And Job 14.5, Job said this. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and set limits he cannot exceed. That's encouraging, isn't it? We're not going to die a minute too early or late. And when we do, Psalm 116 verse 15 says this. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Did you hear that? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Why? Because they're going home. They're going home to him. Is that slightly encouraging? God's not, oh no, one of the good ones died. He's like, yay, they're coming home to me. Okay. Scary, eh? And another thing is, this is just a little tiny tangent, but I've noticed Christians who get really worried about words because they say, words are powerful, you know, and people are talking about words bringing things into being. And if you say something over someone, you say, you're a fool, well, it'll, turn, it'll happen for them, right? Lamentation 3.37 says this, Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? If the Lord hasn't decreed it... You, it, you can speak it all you like. It ain't going to happen. You're not going to bring it into being. Isn't that good? Okay. What does this mean? God is powerful over his people. He is ruling them and he's leading them to eternal life. That's point one. Point two, he knows what he's doing with us. He has an eternal plan for us and his children are at the centre of his plan. Point three, he's working in all things for the good of his children. And he knows what this good looks like. And point four, one day we'll understand. Now, this is what I want you to hear here. We don't have to speculate. Because sometimes we go, as Christians, we go, I think I broke my back because God wanted to do this with me. I think this happened because of that. Well, sometimes we might get a bit of a glimpse. It doesn't matter in the end. The important thing that we know is that he is in charge. Yeah? And he knows what he's doing. That gives us peace. It gives us a grounding for life that cannot be shaken. It is the kingdom of God. Okay. So to finish off, our God is great. He is truly great. There is none like him. He alone is king and ruler and sovereign. He alone is all-powerful. He alone is all-knowing. He is all in all, and we can bow down and worship him, and we can lift our eyes to him, we can fall into his arms, we can trust in him because he alone is the God who saves. He alone is the God who rules over all and he's father. Yep, he's not just God, all powerful. He is father and he is the God of extravagant grace. That's his nature. 
He rules over all and he gave up his own son to die for us. He is so invested in us that he sent his son to die for us. That's where his sovereignty goes. That's where his rulership goes. It's not just mechanical, it's personal. He loves us dearly and that reveals who he really is. So we can know, so we can have assurance, so we can live in truth. I'm going to finish uh, with a passage, 1 Peter. It's one of my favourite ones. If someone remembers, they can preach on it at my funeral. Um, It's 1 Peter 1 verses uh, 3 to 9, and it speaks of this surety we have and the God who's in control for us as church. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had had to suffer Grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined through fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we just want to acknowledge right now you are sovereign Lord of all. We are your people. We're so thankful for the love and grace you've shown us, for the salvation you brought us, And we're so thankful for the fact that we can relax and enjoy this world knowing we are children of the Father who is all-powerful and who loves us. And I pray that throughout our lives, whatever we face in the weeks and months and years to come, that you would bring this truth back to us again and again, that we might live in all the fullness it is to be your children and to know the glory of the hope of the revelation of the children of God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.